Hey everybody, it's still December and we're still Optiat. And we're still talking about cheesy Christmas romance movies. Yes. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm your other host, Jen. We're a podcast where we discuss underrepresented and underappreciated media. Like Christmas movies, which I love. If you listened to our last episode, (laughs) you heard us talk about some that were maybe not like the best, but still enjoyable in their own ways. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to be talking about the movie that came out last year and kind of made a huge splash. A lot of people were super digging this flick called A Christmas Prince. Wasn't good. (laughs) Jen and I weren't huge fans of this movie, unfortunately, Um, but we still had a lot of fun watching it and uh, we had a really good time talking about it and discussing the finer details of this movie, such as (laughs) the politics of the country of Eldovia. Something that Rachel is very passionate about. I I am. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't apologize. Chase your bliss, Rachel. (laughs) So this is our second episode in our um, continuing Christmas saga of 2018. And we'll be back soon with another one. So if you like what you hear, and <laughs> I'm sure you do, <laughs> you can find us on Twitter. We're at Optiot. That's O-P-T-I-O-T. And we're also on Instagram at Optiot Pod. We also have a website. It's mm-hmm. called One Person's Trash Is Our Treasure.com. It is. It's it's there. We'll get better. We'll get better. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> we're very professional over here, okay? And we know, we definitely know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's everything's fine. Yeah, we have invested so much time and money into a recording studio in my basement. Tens of dollars. So we got this, guys. Yeah, we got this. We know you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> we're being very convincing right now. Okay. Enjoy the episode. Listen to us. I don't know. (laughs) What do you want? So, Jen, remember that night a few days ago when we drank wine and watched that really terrible movie on Netflix? You could be describing many nights of our lives, but I I do know the one to which you're referring. A Christmas Prince. Mm -hmm. The Netflix sensation. That came out last year. That I, shockingly, had not watched. I had watched the first half of it last year and I had not finished it. I hadn't even looked at it. Here's my favorite thing about this is that this is that this movie was the first of these that you've ever seen. Yes. I am a connoisseur. <laughs> I love these movies. These holiday romance movies, the Hallmark, the Lifetime. Oh, I just Mwah, chef's kiss. <laughs> I don't know why I love these movies, but I'm obsessed with them. I have never been able to turn one off if it comes on TV. I just get sucked in. I must have seen a good one at one time in my life, and that's why I always watch them. But it's been a long time since that fabled mystery movie happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've always watched rom-coms and mm-hmm. romantic movies, Surprisingly, I do not watch those movies. I find them I find them so boring. I was thinking about that. Like you've always been way more into like romance and like the more romantic one of the two of us. Mm-hmm. And like you don't give a shit about I think I've tried to get you to watch some at some point and you're just like not into it. Yeah. Cuz it's been years. 
Yeah, I mean, we did try to watch Love Actually like eight times, and yeah, we never true. got through it. I, yeah, I remember that. You asked me to I watch know, Love Actually, and you I got, thought I'd like it. <laughs> you got like ten minutes in, and you were like, "Oh, that girl doesn't end up with that guy. I don't want to watch this." Yeah, <laughs> you are not super into rom coms or romantic movies, like in general. Like, mm-hmm. if it's a like an action adventure movie with a romantic subplot, great. Or a historical drama. Sure. <laughs> That's very you. Mm-hmm. But maybe at some point, I think when we first started the podcast, the idea was that maybe you would show me romance novels and I would have you watch romantic movies. Yeah, and that then, was definitely thrown about. Yeah, and then that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you just never told me to watch any. No, I know, because we <laughs> had so many other ideas that we liked better. And Because here's the thing about romantic movies in general, rom-coms and especially these, they have zero depth. So sometimes I think about it and I have trouble thinking of ways that we would make a conversation about it interesting. (laughs) At some point, hopefully I will be able to find a way. Listeners, if you have any suggestions, please get at us on Twitter. Yeah. (laughs) Your face just (laughs) now. But yeah, how was your first experience into this realm? I don't think I could have done it without you. (laughs) It wasn't easy to get through. I wouldn't have finished it without you being there. But we did have a lot of fun watching it because we were making fun of it so hard. (laughs) It was alarmingly bad. It was really bad. And I say this as a fan of these movies. I want to make that clear. I'm a fan of these movies. I make fun of them. They're bad movies. (laughs) Yeah, I I can't speak to any of the others, but A Christmas Prince is not a good movie. No, but but some are enjoyable. This is enjoyable with a friend. I was expecting way more from this movie because, like, when Netflix started making them, I was like, oh, man, they actually have a shot at being, like, the fluffy potato chip kind of thing that I love about, like, the Hallmark movies, but having, like, better quality. Mm -hmm. And they... uh, I did not find that to be the case. (laughs) No, I can understand how a romance novel can be not good. Like how it can be published, even though it's not very good. You know, when you're only paying for the author and the editors and maybe an agent or whatever, you know, you have a handful of people whose fingers are in that pie. Right. But with a movie, that's hundreds, if not thousands of people on cast and crew that you have to account for Mm -hmm. that's a huge commitment financially and just in general Mm -hmm. and so it always surprises me when a production company will actually do that they will actually make something that bad i know you know and so i i guess i went into it expecting a lot more from it and expecting a lot more depth because even though i read a lot of romance novels the ones that i like care about and the ones that i really wanted to talk about on the podcast with the exception of fabio <laughs> i i like to think have had some depth to them mm-hmm. you know there's a little something going on that makes it not so stupid <laughs> yeah yeah i i agree with that i mean i my knowledge of romance novels is pretty limited but with the ones that you've had me read, yeah, it's it's like what you want from it, kind of. It's not always the most high quality thing, but it's like satisfying in ways that sometimes other things aren't. Like you have to go different places sometimes for a need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds like just 
if you want right. yeah no i know what you mean if if you have like an itch to watch something like romantic and fluffy right you know ideally you should be able to turn on a christmas prince and you know have it not be trash yeah you should be able to feel like oh i fell in love with the heroine and you know like romance yeah. novels that's kind of how they're marketed especially yeah. now if you look at harlequin's youtube channel it's full of commercials and not just like the vikings one that <laughs> yeah we, check that out we, our blog post <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like they actually have straight up commercials of like women you know they go home and they have a glass of wine and they're reading a harlequin novel and then they look up and there's like a sexy cowboy in their living room you know like <laughs> which it, i love i love that harlequin like understands their audience exactly they understand what they are yeah. and they're marketing it that way mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and i really appreciate that about them i mean even in some of the worst romance novels i've ever read i will say that i at least kind of get to experience what the heroine's going through yeah a little more than i did in a christmas prince and i would like to point out really quickly that i am not shitting on anyone who loved this movie no i totally get it you because, know yeah there are movies of these that i i enjoyed that other people would probably be like Ugh. including me yes absolutely <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. you know I, it's it's i mean you have to recognize that it's that it's fluffy and there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. and we didn't find enjoyment from many aspects of it but maybe you did and that's cool yeah i mean our purpose is not to like shit on this movie and just like you know shit on everyone who enjoyed it the entire concept of our podcast is to like get enjoyment out of things that people would traditionally consider to be low quality exactly and jokes on us because it did very well and a sequel came out today the uh, a Christmas what? Yes, the sequel came out what? today. A Christmas Prince The Royal Wedding. What? <laughs> I cannot wait to watch it. So Rachel, before we talk about A Christmas Prince, I want to get either a commitment from you or a rejection. Will you watch this movie with me? I want to die. <laughs> You know they were making a sequel. Did I? I think. Maybe you didn't. I didn't know. Maybe that was my mom. <laughs> I didn't know. You didn't? No. What more is there to tell? Also, way to rip off Princess Diaries. I know, right? Like, whatever. I know. An, an episode about Princess Diaries 2 coming soon to a, to a smartphone near you. <laughs> to a smartphone near you. Yeah. That's not a joke. We've been wanting to do that episode for forever. Yeah, no, really. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I didn't know that you didn't know this news. I had to break it to you here live on podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm real upset. Just, just like, <laughs> rewind a little and listen back on my rant about the amount of resources that went into producing this movie. Maybe they got a better screenwriter this time. Maybe. I that mean, would solve a lot of problems. That would probably help a lot. So let's start talking about A Christmas Prince. If you haven't seen A Christmas Prince, well, strap in. Because <laughs> it's a roller coaster. Because there's a lot going on in this movie. Mm-hmm. Essentially, you have our heroine, Amber. And she's an editor at a fashion magazine. Like a chick ma- It's kind of like Cosmopolitan, mm-hmm. you know. And she is unsatisfied as an editor because she wants to be a writer. She wants to be a real journalist. And freelancing isn't doing it for her. Whatever. I have a lot of problems with that. I won't go into it. So the editor of the magazine, I guess, kind of calls her into her office and she tells Amber that she wants her to cover a story about the succession of the throne of Aldovia. 
basically the king died about a year ago and his son is a total scoundrel rake womanizer who doesn't want to assume responsibility and take over the throne. He's like such a playboy. Everyone is like kind of just waiting to see what's going to happen. What? <laughs> Stop. I'm crying. <laughs> Stuff about this movie is just, like, coming, flooding back into my brain. (laughs) Okay, sorry, continue. So everyone's basically just kind of waiting to see what's going to happen, if the prince is actually going to take over the throne, whatever. Uh, Amber flies to Aldovia in an ambiguous part of Europe, and... (laughs) And uh, waits outside the castle with the other reporters. And uh, essentially, she they all get turned away. They all get told, you know, go away. There's no story here today. Well, Amber is unsatisfied with that because she wants to be a real journalist. She's the only one. Yeah, the only one of these dozens of journalists from all over the world who is determined enough to do what Amber does next. In fairness, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very is, true yes. this is certainly illegal <laughs> and and certainly a god-awful idea mm-hmm. she sneaks into the palace attempting to get information somehow i don't know what she thinks she's gonna do but right. she is found and when they realize that she's american they say oh you must be the tutor we hired because you know of course mm-hmm. so she says yes i am the tutor and literally that happens <laughs> She she does that. She just becomes a tutor. Yeah, even though she has no qualifications. Whatever. Nope. They didn't even check her ID. Whatever. So she becomes the tutor for the princess, who is a little girl named Emily. And she's in a wheelchair because we are tear baiting the audience. <laughs> and Rachel, she's in a wheelchair because she has spina bifida. <laughs> And she meets the prince because the prince is so infatuated with his little sister. And there's a moment where he like lifts his disabled sister out of her crutches and spins her around. And I'm so worried for this child. (laughs) But it's supposed to show that he's like sensitive and cares about his sister or whatever. There are many moments where it's like, oh, he's so sensitive. Yeah. Pretty much the next hour of this movie (laughs) is pointless. She has, like, two more interactions with the prince, gets to know the princess a lot more. The prince, named Richard, his cousin Simon, I think, is plotting to take over the kingdom. He's next in line after Richard. Also, Prince Richard's ex-biddy, Lady (laughs) Sophia, shows up and they have some really boring history. (laughs) But she wants Richard again. Only Um, because he's going to be king, though. She has to be that vapid of a character. At some point, Amber follows Prince Richie into the woods on a horse. She gets attacked by a one wolf. <laughs> I don't remember what happens with the wolf. I don't remember if Richard scares it away or I think whatever. He scares it away. Yeah. The they one had, wolf leaves. Yeah. They had they had big horses. Yeah. I they could only afford one wolf, but they could afford <laughs> draft horses, whatever. So You're so mad about the one wolf thing. <laughs> It's just so rant. I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. I don't think one wolf would attack a human on a giant ass horse. Whatever. Dumb. 
I think she had fallen off the horse. I but, don't care. But what you're you're right. I just love how mad you are about it. <laughs> Richard brings her to his hunting lodge because of course he mm-hmm. has one and of course they go there to be alone for the night. Where there's more backstory about how sensitive he is. So sensitive. So sensitive. And Amber literally just looks underneath a desk, which no one else has ever done, to <laughs> yeah, find it's, there's... It's his dad's hunting lodge. No one went through his stuff. There's like a, a hidden lever yeah. that she pulls, and it opens a secret panel in the desk, and she finds some documents in there that show that Richard was adopted! No. Ah! <laughs> And, you know, she's a journalist, so she has a moment of conflict where she's concerned about what she's going to do because this is the story of the century for this fashion magazine. But she feels like Richard is such a nice guy. She doesn't want to ruin his life. Also, she's falling in love with him because of the three interactions they've had. Uh (laughs) Basically, Cousin Simon and Lady Sophia decide that they want to take down Amber because reasons. And they want the throne. So they sneak through her shit one day because Amber wasn't smart enough to, like, keep this shit hidden. And they find the the papers, they reveal to the whole kingdom... That she's a reporter. Yeah, that she's a reporter and that Richard is adopted. Mm -hmm. So suddenly the whole country is in an uproar. Not because, you know, an American reporter deceived the entire royal family and royal household, but because, you know, the prince is adopted and according to their laws, that means he can't ascend the throne. (sighs) (laughs) The next part makes me so mad. (laughs) I mean, obviously, uh, Richard is very mad at Amber good for him. Yeah. And is in turmoil because he's so sensitive and because he doesn't fucking want to be king. But now he's upset because he can't be. Right. It's the most ridiculous character thing where like the entire movie he doesn't want to be king. Mm -hmm. Whatever, man. Whatever. But Amber, she interprets the poem that the king wrote right before his death because... The king was essentially like, hey, let's turn our country's future into a scavenger hunt. And he wrote a fancy poem to indicate that his wife should look inside the acorn tree ornament that he intended to give her before he died. Right. That's the thing. I think the intention was that if this was the present that he was going to give his wife, but then he died. So, like, that makes it less of, like, a scavenger hunt kind of thing. But if you don't, like, pay attention to the movie, then it just feels really strange that he, like, left this it for them to It feels strange find. anyway. It does, yeah. Because <laughs> inside the acorn is... A law that he passed, a law, a law affecting an entire country, because that law states that the prince who was adopted can actually assume the throne because it's legit now. Here's what I love. And by love, I mean hate with the burning fires of 10,000 suns. He could do that, but he could not make it so that women could sit on the throne. (laughs) Apparently no one cared about that. Apparently. Like, the queen doesn't even say something. Like, my legitimate daughter is, well, who cares about her? Actually, the legitimate daughter is the only one who cares about it. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) It would have been such a better movie if he had not become king. Yeah. And, like, like, had been able to give the throne to his sister. Oh, my God. Ugh. Yeah, so Amber returns to New York, quits her shitty job. Because she's fed up being an yeah. editor. Well, because I think the editor-in-chief was like, you were sitting on the story, how could you, or whatever. Right. And she was like, I quit! Whatever. And she 
goes to her dad's restaurant to celebrate New Year's. Oh, right. He exists. With her awful stock friends. Oh, my God. The friends. <laughs> and they're celebrating New Year's. And she looks outside because someone threw a snowball at the window. And Who could that be? And it's, it's Richard. And she goes outside. And he proposes to her, even though they literally met two weeks ago. And only spent, like, five days together. And then she says yes. And there's snow blowing all around them. And then the end. And now there's a sequel! So we get to enjoy that! (laughs) Will you enjoy it with me? Oh, sure. You don't have to. I'll watch it by myself. But I'm watching it. I feel obligated at this point. (laughs) Okay. Great. So next week then? Sure. (laughs) Okay. Like, I've already signed away that two hours of my life. (laughs) So, first of all, because I forgot about them... Let's give the stock friends a rating. Zero out of five. I'd say one out of five then. I guess one of them was gay, and that was nice that they kind of attempted diversity. Yeah, that part was kind of fun because (laughs) because these three guys show up at the restaurant where her and her friends are, and they... (laughs) At, 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 on New Year's, at on the end New of the Year's movie. Eve, at the end of the movie, and they're like, "Oh, come out with us. We we set you up on a date." And she's like, "Amber's like, no, I don't, I don't want to." So they they leave, they go outside, and they meet these three guys, and they like pair up with their guys, and the third guy's just like, "Okay, yeah, <laughs> just alone on New Year's." <laughs> it was really great. It made me really happy. But they were so, first of all, they gave really bad advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second of all, I don't know why she had to check in with them every 10 minutes throughout the movie and Skype with them and like these two poor actors who did not have a lot to work with and they probably tried yeah probably but it was it was just one of the <laughs> one of the cringier parts of the movie for me and that's saying something so Richard and Amber spend no time together why you and I talked about this a lot mm-hmm. while we were watching it but there is way too much going on in that movie yeah. for the romance to feel at all fulfilling mm-hmm. you know if you only have an hour and a half or what it might have been two hours Probably. if you only have two hours to work with you don't have time to throw in a deceit plot and you know the whole sister thing and the queen thing and the evil cousin and the ex-girlfriend thing like mm-hmm. You don't have time for all of this. Yeah, there was too much. We said that, like, it would have been a way better movie if the whole idea of her being a reporter was completely axed. If she was just a tutor who, for some reason, got this job. I don't know how they would explain that, but Mm -hmm. whatever. And then, like, got to know this family. It would have been better, and it would have saved so much time to spend on, like, better character development for Mm -hmm. the couple and for the other characters. Like, it was just... Every scene between the two main characters felt so pointless. And just, and so full of tropes. Yeah. You know, I mean, I am honestly surprised we didn't see Amber get, like, chased down by, a like, a horde of rapist men. And the prince had to, like, scare them away. Like, I'm honestly surprised that didn't happen. Because they yeah. went through every other trope they could have. Like, literally Richard saving her from a lone wolf. Like, that's that's ripped directly from Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Or him showing her how to shoot a bow and arrow by getting up behind her and, like, you know, mm-hmm. holding her arms the right way and stuff like that. And her walking in on him playing the piano because he's so deep and emotional. Mm-hmm. And her being charmed by his affection for his sister. You and know, for children in general. Like, he has a snowball fight with orphans. Oh, That's right. a literal thing that happens in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Literally. Yeah, they have to stay in a in a cozy hunting lodge mm-hmm. for the night together. And yeah. I, oh, but but none of these trips are enjoyable. Like tropes can be enjoyable, especially in a movie like this when you're like expecting it and it's like fluffy and whatever none of them are satisfying the way Mm. they're done yeah for example at the end of the movie or toward the end of the movie like toward you know the climax there's a ball she gets dressed up in a fancy dress that princess emily supplied for her Mm -hmm. and she shows up at the ball late because you know you have to the whole room has to look at you when you walk down the fucking staircase the staircase to nowhere and then you turn around and go right back up it this movie i'm sorry but like the plot was all over the place Mm -hmm. there were too many like side plots i didn't give a shit about this like cousin guy who was next in line for the throne i didn't give a shit about richard's ex who was a totally one-dimensional character and just was power hungry and wanted to be queen although why because apparently yeah Like, I liked the queen. It would have been cool to know more about her. Yeah, she was honestly the only character in the entire movie that I, like, genuinely enjoyed. Mm -hmm. She had some depth to her. Yeah. And the princess was okay when she stopped being a brat. But also, that development was weird. Like, she was, like, such a brat. She was, like, so... And and it was, like, oh, let's hope that she lasts longer than your last four tutors or whatever the fuck the line was. Yeah, because they were doing that trope. Yeah. And then, it was, was like, Amber was literally there for a day and she won over this little girl. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember what she did. Did yeah, because it was so why. insignificant. So we didn't really enjoy this movie. No, we didn't. <laughs> I wanted to. I really badly wanted to. Mm-hmm. I um, did too. I honestly thought I was going to. Like maybe it wouldn't be the best movie I'd ever seen. Right. But I went in fully expecting that I would like enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't. Maybe those expectations are a part of why it fell so flat for us, but also it just, I mean, there was, there were a lot of problems with that script. Yeah. I would also like to point out that I didn't have high expectations of the movie. No, me neither. You know, like I (laughs) expected more than I got, but I certainly wasn't expecting much. I expected it to make sense though. So anyway, Rachel, you have something that you're very passionate about. Okay. Oh my God. I have a friend at work who is really, really into these movies and she, she acknowledged that it was like a bad movie when I was talking to her about it but I was like giving her my rant and she was like you are the only person I know who would look at the politics of a (laughs) Christmas romance movie you are though yeah (laughs) well it bothered me there was so much about the politics of this movie that drove me fucking crazy so yeah remember when the prime minister acted like a steward yeah that was fucking weird yeah yeah like okay So, here's the thing. I really don't get the fantasy of, like, wanting to marry a prince. Not in modern day. I really don't understand it. Because it's not just, oh, I'm a princess in the Disney sense, where, like, you just get to talk to animals and sing songs and wear pretty clothes. Like, that's a political role. That's politics, man. Mm -hmm. And, like, you mean to tell me some, like, writer from New York City is prepared and wants to take on that responsibility? Mm -hmm. No! Also, and the movie doesn't treat it like it's politics. It doesn't treat it like this is the fate of an entire country that we're dealing with. Mm. It just treats it like, oh, well, it's another day in Aldovia, you know? <laughs> but, like, this fashion magazine fucking needs the, the scoop on it. So, like, let's send this no-name reporter. 
Like, this is a huge... Who got a press pass? Yeah, this is world politics. And they gave a press pass and this huge story to a no-name writer because all their other reporters were busy. Uh, bitch, I think that, like, you know, (laughs) their top reporter who's busy covering, like, fucking Christmas Fashion Week or something would be like, I'll switch, okay? It's like a chick magazine. And I'm not, like, shitting on them. I read Cosmo all the time. Mm. But, I just, I love the idea of Christmas Fashion Week. I don't know what (laughs) happened. happens in new york city i don't what what would they be covering i don't know i don't know (laughs) yeah but like if this story is as big a fucking deal as they make it out to be yeah but it would be because it's world politics the fate of an entire country and its people is at stake here Mm -hmm. but no one treats it like that okay so there's that so (laughs) then what bothered me was the fact that this is once again the um, home of the ruling family of an entire country and it has no security like when the princess or the prince or the queen goes out into town or whatever they don't have like a guard around they don't, they're not being protected like people aren't clearing the streets they're just mingling with the commoners and like that that's not how it would happen like do you really think someone could just walk up to the queen on like you know a random street in London and just be like hey what's up like no <laughs> That's not how that works. And then there's like the fact that Amber lies about who she is to the queen (laughs) of a country and not only doesn't go to jail, but like they don't even question it. They're just like, oh, you're an American. There's no way you could be one of the dozens of reporters that were just outside. (laughs) Like, come on. Yeah. And she doesn't... You must be the tutor who isn't supposed to be here yet. Yeah, who isn't supposed to be here for two weeks? Like, what? They didn't even check her ID. They didn't do anything. Like, they just accepted it. And then they left her alone with the princess. The disabled princess who can't run away. Like, did they even pat her down for weapons? Who knows? We didn't see it. That drives me fucking crazy. Like, this is, this is politics. This is a government. So, okay. Then, of course, there's the fact that the king of the country passed a law that he hid in a Christmas ornament to give to his wife. A very, very important law about his son that will affect the future of the country if it doesn't get into the right hands at the right time. Like, sure, he didn't know he was going to die, but, like, maybe don't put the documents in the acorn until you give it to your wife, bud, okay? (laughs) Also, why did he write a poem about it? Was he just going to give his wife the acorn and be like, here's a poem? Let's see if she figures it out. (laughs) Or was he just expressing his creative side? Like, he just felt it come over him that he needed to write a poem about the fact that he hid official government documents in an acorn. Like his son, he's sensitive. Well, he was an awful king, and it's probably a good thing that he's dead. (laughs) Oh my god. I guess to just put the cherry on top of the sundae... The fact that this country can't even be bothered to consider the idea that the queen, who has been ruling pretty efficiently so far, and the country seems pretty happy with what she's been doing and who's been on the throne alongside her husband for who knows how many years, has plenty of experience, she's totally dignified. Well, she's not good enough. We need the playboy, irresponsible son because, you know, you gotta have that dick to rule the country. And even after... Gotta have that dick to rule the country. (laughs) 
Wow. And even after they realize the prince is adopted, the princess is still there, friends. Like, she's still legit. She could rule, but no. Like, they don't even talk about it. It's never even brought up. Mm -mm. And it makes me so mad because this would have been such a better movie. Like, and honestly, I would understand the fantasy then if he abdicated and he was like, I'm going to let my mom rule because she's doing a good job. Yep. And then, you know and what? I'm going to go away and be in love with this woman. And just be rich and like, <laughs> like, fuck it all. Like, I don't yeah. have any responsibilities. Like, that sounds great. Yeah. You know? I want to marry a guy like that. Yeah, right? Fucking turn down a throne. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, like, she's the queen now. Well, I, the royal wedding, I guess she's going to be. We'll find out. I hate it. <laughs> I'm so excited. I couldn't stop thinking about it while watching this movie. I understand that politics aren't exactly romantic, Mm -hmm. but I'm sorry. There's no way the now king of your country could just walk down a random street in New York City unguarded and unprotected so he could propose to this, like, no-name, boring-ass white girl from New York City. Like, that that's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like, there would be, like, Secret Service or whatever the Eldovian equivalent is all over the fucking place. Also, the entire city would be like, oh my god, it's the king of Aldovia. Like, <laughs> the president would fucking fly in to be like, hey bro, what you doing in my country? You, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> like, this movie exists outside of politics. And like, I don't care if that's not romantic. I can't be absorbed in the story of a movie that completely fails to address real life things. I mean, if they needed tension, they could have totally bypassed the stupid betrayal plot and made it about the politics. The council or the parliament or whatever they have in this country is saying like, no, you can't marry her because there are laws, you know? Way better, more interesting tension in my opinion. I hate betrayal plots. It bores the crap out of me. It's just annoying. Like it, and like, you know how it's gonna end. And that normally doesn't bother me. I like having the security of a happily ever after. I like that. But if I have to sit through the entire last 30 minutes of a movie knowing exactly what's going to happen, I mean, come on. I'm okay knowing how the last five minutes is going to end. It's going to end with a wedding. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to, like, know how the entire, like, last fourth or third of the movie is going to go. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. These movies do tend to be pretty fucking formulaic. And deceit plots are a huge trope in them. Mm -hmm. Someone is always lying about who they are. (laughs) Yeah, like, there are so many more interesting and creative ways to build tension that Mm -hmm. don't require lying. Yeah. But anyway, that was my rant about the politics of A Christmas Prince. Thanks for listening. This has been Rachel's rant. So, last year, when A Christmas Prince came out, it kind of, like, blew up. Yeah. Like, it was really popular, and Netflix took advantage of its popularity and made a tweet saying, To the 53 people who've watched A Christmas Prince every day for the past 18 days, who hurt you? (laughs) Boy, that's really the question, huh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. I love you. I love you. I love you if you love this movie. Live in your truth. I love you. It just kind of represents the whole, like, phenomenon of this movie being so ridiculously popular. And my question to you, Jen, is why? Of all of the Christmas romances that are on the internet through streaming services or on cable, like Lifetime and Hallmark and everything, Mm -hmm. why this one? What makes it special? I honestly have no fucking clue. (laughs) 
In um, another episode that we're going to be airing for this holiday season, Jen talks about a couple of other Christmas movies that she watched, and we we discuss why they're all so bad. Mm -hmm. And I I just have to wonder, why haven't one of those become the most well-known Netflix Christmas romance movie over A Christmas Prince? Like, what makes it different? I know that you said that some of those were boring, but like A Christmas Prince wasn't exactly not boring. <laughs> like there yeah. were boring parts. Yeah, I, you know, I've been thinking about that a little bit too. Like I enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> I have to like look down at my notes. I enjoyed the A Christmas Inheritance more than I enjoyed A Christmas Prince. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make it good, but I, I enjoyed yeah. it more. Yeah. I felt like it made more sense. If I had to take a guess, Partially because this goes along with another theory of mine that is just, like, about people consuming media and things in general. Mm -hmm. It would have something to do with aesthetic. A Christmas Prince is definitely of the more flashy Christmas movies I've ever seen. There are lots of shots of castles. A castle. It's not just a bunch of random yeah, castles. It's, it's one castle. <laughs> yeah. And the production design wasn't terrible. Sometimes it, you believe that they could be inside a palace. Sometimes you don't, but whatever. It does have that kind of like royal aesthetic. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't share that princess fantasy either. Maybe other people like just don't think about it the same way. Like you said, like your friend was like, you know, kind of like you were the only person that Mm -hmm. would think about this this way. I guess what I'm just wondering then is like, even if we do just say, okay, whatever, it's just that other people aren't thinking about it. But then like, why this movie? Did Netflix just push it more? I mean, I think you have a good point with, you know, the fact that it's probably flashier. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that this movie got a bigger budget. You know, it probably- I don't know. Some of it probably does have to do with marketing. And I don't know necessarily about pushing it because I don't remember seeing commercials for it. I definitely saw like, you know how when you go onto certain Netflix user interfaces on different devices. It's like at the top. Yeah. I I do recall seeing that. Yes. Which maybe they haven't done for some of their other movies. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I didn't actually know that A Christmas Inheritance came out last year. I thought it came out this year. But yeah, I guess in that way they pushed it. And I also think that, hey man, partially because I heard the buzz around it, that was part of the reason I thought it was going to be better than it was. Mm -hmm. But like, I was also attracted to like the cover image. It is kind of an attractive aesthetic. I guess it just kind of goes to show that it doesn't have to be good. You know, I I really just want to keep repeating and reiterating the fact that I am not shading anyone who likes this movie. I'm really not. And we're not shading like anybody who worked on the movie or anything. No, but we didn't like it. And I feel we have valid reasons why. I wanted to very badly. I wanted to as well. You know, I could have gotten over the whole like, I don't give a shit about the whole prince princess fantasy Mm -hmm. if it had been a better movie. (laughs) If it had had a more cohesive plot. I don't think it was popular because like the common people watching Netflix are all like uneducated idiots no, or anything. Certainly not. not. Yeah. You know, I think people watch what they have access to. I don't know. Like is it the best of all of the Christmas movies? No. That's what I was just about to say. Like it like it it's not it's certainly not the cream of the crop. But maybe people were tricked into thinking it was. Like maybe a lot of people who never gave the Hallmark Christmas movies a shot and like dismissed them. But maybe they were kind of tricked into like, oh well it's Netflix, so it must be a little better. Like I thought that too a little bit. I did too because you know I mean Netflix kind of maybe not so much these days there's a little bit of a reputation with Netflix producing like really hit or miss content (laughs) yeah but 
I think overall, Netflix has more of a reputation of having like better shows than what you might find on cable. Mm-hmm. And I guess that expectation carried into what I was expecting from A Christmas Prince. And yeah. I, it, did, it did not deliver. Yeah. And maybe maybe other people who like didn't, who don't really have things to compare the experience of watching A Christmas Prince to found that they enjoyed it and, the, and that maybe they would enjoy more like Hallmark movies. But like, it just depends. Like, or maybe people just fucking enjoy this movie and we're being <laughs> yeah like it, maybe because like you know remember when we saw Annihilation and, and we didn't like it we didn't like and everyone else, else liked it we were like oh man what's wrong with us yeah. <laughs> that was fun yeah yeah I, and maybe it's like that I don't know yeah I don't know I guess like a lot of people really seem to buy into the Christmas romance thing so I don't know maybe you're right maybe we're overthinking it but that's kind of what we do here isn't it <laughs> yeah if you were going to rewrite A Christmas Prince to make it good, just walk me through that. Well, as we've already discussed, I don't think she would be a journalist at all. Because yeah. I kind of like the idea of her being a tutor. That's kind of cute. And and as we know, the, the characters always have to have, like, quirky, cute jobs. Mm-hmm. And then the movie would have to end with him abdicating the throne and yes. and somehow being able to give it to his mother or her his sister. The way I would do it is she's a tutor. They meet and they're falling in love, but she doesn't really want to get too close because she's like, I don't want anything to do with like your politics. Yes. He's kind of what the media portrayed him as in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's actually more like that. Like he doesn't want the throne at all, mm-hmm. but he's like, you know, okay, I have to because my dad died. But eventually... He proposes to her and she says no. And she like goes back to America. He finds out that he was adopted and therefore not able to like take over. And like, it's a big reveal. And his mother's like, oh, we have to figure out a way to make you king. And he's like, no, mother, you should be the ruler of the country. But son, you're giving up on your dream. (laughs) No, mother, I'm giving up on yours. (laughs) (laughs) My dream's back in America. And then he... And then he flies to America and he... Throws a snowball at her window? No, No, I would completely get rid of that. Uh, He finds her, he proposes, and they live happily ever after as just rich people. All right. I mean, I'd watch that movie. Yeah, and I'd enjoy it more than the one we did watch. (laughs) Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed hearing what I think about when I watch (laughs) these movies. (laughs) Rachel was a little shell-shocked, I think. That's a good way to put it. It being her first foray into this universe. It wasn't what I expected. Yeah, I had to kind of guide you. Yeah. But yeah, I thought it was good and fun to talk about, and an interesting topic, because I I really love these movies, and I think there's a lot that's interesting about them. Yeah, even if they aren't necessarily good, I still think that there's some fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Next time we're going to be discussing uh, two holiday Christmas romances that are actually based on Harlequin romances. So a little more in my wheelhouse. Wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. I was so excited when I saw those go up on the screen based on a Harlequin novel. I was like, oh my God. So we're going to kind of compare and contrast. And if that sounds interesting to you, then uh, stay tuned. Yeah. I am (laughs) so excited. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. So uh, until then, in the meantime, you can find us on Twitter at Optia, that's O-P-T-I-O-T, and on Instagram at OptiadPod. And you can also find us at our website, where things are, I guess, onepersonstrashisourtreasure.com. We're fine. 
We've we've been recording for too long. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Until next time, listener. Bye. Bye. <laughs> the older I get, my memories just like keep going with me. The only thing that bothers me about what's his face is that he has the most generic white boy face I've ever seen. So every time they showed him, he looked like a different person to me. And I could never. At one point, you were like, I don't even know who he is. Like, is that him? <laughs> like, I couldn't keep track of him. Like, I. I... The terrifying part is that I really know what you mean. Why is that terrifying? Well, because, like, I feel like people shouldn't be like that. <laughs> we're a train wreck. <laughs> We're such trash. <laughs> oh my god, Jen, we're the trash. Oh no. <laughs> We've got to be somebody's treasure, right? No. <laughs> See you next time. Bye, I love you. <laughs> what? That's what you say when you say bye.